I'm E. I'm Rob. I'm House Suits. Welcome to the next movement, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us house shoes it is a pleasure we greatly appreciate your time i appreciate you i appreciate the interest yes absolutely we want to start out just because we're in unique times you like to start out just asking people how they're doing um i know you're in la there's a lot going on in la um yeah. so how you living are you and your people okay oh yeah i mean this you know my kids are fine as long as my kids are fine i'm fine you know it's crazy yeah. how how easily they have apparently transitioned into all this you know mm-hmm. it's like not even batting a batting a glance at it. So yeah. my baby's good. I'm good. You know what I mean? I'm luckily I'm at least slightly financially responsible. So, you know, I'm not going to be working probably for another year, but I'm not stressing this shit at all. I'll yeah. be completely honest with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, glad to hear that. What's the air like in LA? Uh, I mean, it's always terrible. <laughs> it's just a little bit, it's just a little bit worse now. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you, do you guys have that orange sky thing going that we've seen in, online and no no not really like last week it was a little bit yellow a little bit yellowish but you know i've seen it worse we don't really get a lot of ash you know there's been other fires in the last few years where we've had a little bit more of you know like ash deposits and shit like that but you know it's cool it's california the shit burns to the ground every year i have people in san diego and they were sending us videos about like fires like out in the distance it looked insane yeah, it's crazy because every year it gets worse and worse, and this year is just some whole other shit. Like last year was like a hundred thousand acres at this time of the year, and this year three million acres. No. It's probably like three and a half million now. Like, unbelievable. The one thing that frustrates me about Los Angeles, pretty much the only thing that frustrates me about Los Angeles, is the fucking weather, man. Hmm. People talk all that. It, there's no weather here. Like it hasn't rained since May. And it's not going to rain for like another month and a half. Like it's just groundhogs day every fucking day, (laughs) but you know, we don't get no rain. So of course this shit is going to burn to the ground every year. You know what I mean? Well, glad to hear you and your people are safe maintaining before we logged on here. You cracked open a beer and we want to make sure we talk to you about uncle shoes IPA. There we go. Incredibly popping ale. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's a timely for us. We are some craft beer enthusiasts here. In fact, E. He's got her own fledgling brewery going. Nice. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's my foray into a new field. You know, I got a couple homies. I, it, it's actually pretty crazy. This cat hit me about a year ago. My homie Daniel, uh, his 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 brand is Hip Hop Craft. Um, yep. And he hit me about doing this bottle share, and I was like, "What the fuck is a bottle share?" <laughs> and he did an event on a Sunday morning from 8 a.m. until 11 a.m. at this little deli in Downey. And the shit was like the one of the best parties I've ever done in my life. It wasn't like cracking, cracking. It was just a bunch of dope cats drinking dope beer, listening to dope music. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was like being at like it was like a family get together, like in mm-hmm. grandma's basement or some shit. It was so fire. And a year later, I got my own fucking beer. It's crazy. They've Beautiful. done like five beers now. Shout to Beer Thug Life. That's a homie. Yeah. My man Edgar. Yeah, it's it's fun, man. I never would have thought. I never would have fucking thought. And the beer came out fire. Nice. <laughs> it came out really fucking good. So I'm just trying to get these joints off and start working on the next. One. Did you actually help make the beer? Yo, I was hands on from the conceptual conceptualization of the beer to me going down there and pouring hops and shit and coming back and double hopping and all that shit. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm a hands-on dude, man. If it's going to have my name on it, I got to get my fingers, my fingers dirty. Yeah. Are you like a craft beer person? You, you drink? I'm a, I'm a whiskey dude, man. I'm a simple whiskey dude. You know what I mean? But I I drink beer. I've I've drunk. I, I definitely don't like regular ass beer. I never really have. You know what yeah. I mean? I fuck no Heineken's, no, you know, been to Europe plenty of times, drank Guinness over there and have never had it since I came back because <laughs> it tastes like a glass of water when you drink it over yeah. here. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm raising my, uh, my beer intellect. You know what I mean? <laughs> the craft beer scene in LA is pretty, pretty hopping. Um, no pun intended, but, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good beers that come out of L.A. Um, I know Beer Thug Life, we're, we're friendly on IG. Um, he's put out a lot of good beers. Yeah. Good dude. Yeah. Yeah, and the, just even since the beer dropped, and I'm looking at the, the spot that's, like, handling the distribution, and it's like, yo, it's shit going on with beer that I had, like, no idea. Like, they got, like, creamsicle beers and shit, and, like, strawberry, vanilla, like, lactose, and all kinds <laughs> of wild shit. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have some fun with this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one of the bonuses right with with this beer is that it's got a barcode on it you scan the barcode you get house shoes music right yep yep you get the little house shoes beer tape with uh you know some of it's like cutting room floor shit and it's other shit is just shit that never really fit in anywhere else so it's a perfect opportunity to just let them go let them be in the world nice so there will be another uncle shoes beer uh my my goal right now, and I've talked to the homies, and they didn't sound like they were against it at all. Is it'll I'll at least have a seasonal. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, yeah. Like even with this, like the idea that just came in my head when we were canning it, I was like, we can just keep the recipe and just tweak it for different seasons. You know yeah. what I mean? Sprinkle some shit in there for the winter time, change it up in the spring, do something in the summertime, and then we can just keep the label and just play with the colorways so it's more of a branding thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah everything i tell one of my like my piece of advice that i always give to fellow creatives and people that are blessed with being able to you know sustain themselves off of what they love is you got to keep it a fucking playground mm-hmm. it's got to be a playground it can never get really fucking that serious like even yeah. my record my record label shit you would never believe how absolutely casual that shit is with me. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? even my production career yeah. Like I, I made beats when I felt like making beats. I don't have like stockpiles of beats. I got like two shoe boxes of floppy disks. That's all the beats I ever made. Right. You know what I right. mean? And I'm cool. I'm cool with that. The ethic seems to be you have to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, right. don't do it. Absolutely. Well, I absolutely love the promo video that you guys put together for the beer. Yeah. Word I've up. watched it a few times because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> Uncle Sue's neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, uh, it seemed like you had fun making it too. Oh, absolutely! Like I said, you got to make it a playground, and you know, they're all fun, fun dudes. You know what I mean? So when we when we put our heads together, it's just a lot of fun. Nice. Well, not to bring the vibe down, but you know, we just learned right before we logged on about the passing of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and I know I know you're a political cat. You're very vocal on social media about your views. Right. 
we're fucked. Yeah. We're absolutely fucked. If he is allowed to replace her, God. Yeah. Who, who would have thought that he would possibly have been able to enact that much of a horrible fucking change in this country aside from what he's already done? Right. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking terrifying. Me and Rob were talking before you came on, and we were saying that Obama was in a similar position right before he went out, and they blocked him from from electing somebody. So we're right. hoping, fingers right. crossed, that Congress comes through and says, yeah. "No, nah, you ain't doing this before you're out." Right. So there's a little bit of hope, but it's I mean it's hard to be hopeful in the world we live yeah. in now. Jesus. We just need an asteroid uh, on Capitol Hill. That's all we yeah. fucking need. Just Control Alt Delete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get I, I get just as turned off by fucking Democrats as I do Republicans, man. Anybody oh, yeah. that's cheerleading the fucking title, like yeah. Democrats are just as responsible for this bullshit as fucking Trump is. You motherfuckers had three years to find one motherfucker, one person. You had three years. I mean, you had like seven years, honestly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. And you couldn't find one motherfucker because Biden ain't shit either. Right. He's not. But, but I don't give a fuck. I'm not voting for Trump. I will vote for a fucking ham sandwich before <laughs> I vote for that motherfucker. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's about to get really real. Like I'm about to yeah. lose. I'm about to lose friends. I'm about to really get on my shit. I'm about, if any of you motherfuckers are speaking any type of support for that cocksucker, lose my shit, homie. I don't give a yeah. fuck if it's third grade friends type shit. I ain't got no time for that shit. I have children, and there's nothing more important in this life than the example that gets set for my children. So if you're talking about you be feeling that motherfucker or his economic policies, like, go jump off a fucking cliff, man. Mm. Do you catch a lot of heat for your uh, posts for what you say online? I used to, but the silver lining about maybe four or five months ago, I was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm making my Twitter private. Okay. Mm. I made my Twitter private and I made my Instagram. Uh, the only people that can comment on my shit is people that I follow and people that follow me. Okay. Okay. And completely wiped all that shit off. Like, I was a Twitter... I used to bait motherfuckers on Twitter <laughs> and just be like, come on, motherfucker, let's go. Yeah. And it's crazy how once I made my Twitter private, like, I'm over Twitter now. I just, like, forward shit from Instagram and, like, other shit. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't be on there posting. I don't... Yeah. And I was... I would wake up in the morning and just try to fucking start shit on Twitter. Like, who, I don't... Who got, who's got time for that shit? You know what I mean? Do you feel like you're in a better mood now? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's crazy how it sucks you in. Yeah. I've experienced that. It's, too. They, knew, they knew exactly what the fuck they were doing when they made that shit, man. Like, straight up. That shit is like mind control, slavery type shit. Like, they yeah. got us mm. looking for that dope hit. You know, who, who said something to me? Da, 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 anybody? Am I getting any attention? Like, attention is the new fucking drug over everything. And these mm. motherfuckers have lost their minds, man. Yeah, it sucks you in and it sucks you dry. Straight up. Does anybody ever threat? I I wondered if anybody ever threatened you because especially oh, talking man, shit Trump about shit, Trump. Yeah, that Trump shit. I had hundreds, hundreds. They oh, dox, I'm sure. They doxed my Addy online. They fucking hundred like my phone ringing, all that shit. But who the fuck calls a motherfucker or sends them an email or texts them before they fuck them up? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Someone like, that's their inexperienced. Motherfuckers would call me, talking about like, man, get the fuck out of here, cocksucker. Get a job. You know what I mean? That That's Trump some shit. I, had, shit. I had the fucking Secret Service at the crib. I had the FBI at the crib. I had major crimes at the crib. You know what I mean? Fucking crazy. I wouldn't change it for the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> Didn't they geek the fuck out because they found out that you were on Dilla albums? You know, you- it's the funniest shit, man. It's the funniest shit. So, major crimes came first. Next day, FBI. 
two days later, Secret Service. So the Secret Service comes, and after five minutes, but they're like, we're not here about that Twitter shit. Because the feds and the major crimes were here for the Twitter shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're like, we're here about this record you put out with Donald Trump dead on the cover of it. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, wait. This was still on the shelf at that time. So I go to the shelf, and I'm like, oh, this one? <laughs> I look at him and I go, this record sold out faster than any record I've ever released in my life. And look, y'all on the back. <laughs> and then I look at him, I, I swear on my children, I look at him and I go, your boss is a cocksucker, man. And dude goes, well, we can't discuss our personal opinions. Enough said. So then the conversation got a little bit more pointed, not like an interrogation, but a little bit more, whatever the fuck you want to say, you know, it's a little bit more, you know, what's this, what's that, what's your history here? Da, da, da. So I just kind of, you know, we all have our story that we tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of like just when you, you know, press the button. Okay, mm-hmm. right. we're going to do this again. So, yeah, I went to school. I got kicked out, started DJing, producing, putting out records. Uh, the first record I ever put out. I don't know if y'all ever heard of Jay Dilla, but I put out actually like his first record in name. Uh, and the dude, it was like maybe a late 30s black dude, Secret Service dude. And it was like a goony fucking like maybe mid 40s bald headed white motherfucker. You know what I mean? It didn't say shit. Kind of funny. So dude just was like, cut me off. He was like, Wait, 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 wait. You put out one of Jay Dillard's first records? <laughs> like, yeah, bro, I pull that shit off the shelf. I show it to him. You know what I mean? This motherfuckers start pulling out pictures and shit. It's fucking ridiculous. The fucking Secret Service is in my living room, and he's a Dillard stand. <laughs> Unbelievable. We'll keep an eye out for his podcast episode. Sounds like he yeah. did his own interview. Man, I got to fucking call him sometimes. See how he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'll tell you this, though. When that motherfucker left, I was like, damn, you ain't got no choice, motherfucker. You got to write a book now. <laughs> yeah, mm. shout, shout out to the United States Secret Service and how much they hate their job. Oh, you know they definitely do. <laughs> it was cool, man. All the motherfuckers were cool. I felt bad that that was their line of work these days. It's just going to see the motherfuckers. It's just screaming their fucking heads off online, mad as hell. They got to go check on each and every one of them. Well, I, for one, appreciate your strong voice. Hey, man, I speak for the silent and the ones, you know, it, it kind of frustrates me sometimes because, like, I, I used to always get these messages on Twitter like, man, Shoes, thank you so much for, you know, for speaking up and, and being so strong about how you feel. And it's like, motherfucker, open your mouth, man, because the only reason I'm talking so much shit is because nobody else is. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, this is right. all our fucking... We all got to be doing this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. We all got to strengthen each other's beliefs and know that, you know, you just ain't the only one in the room. Like, we're all doing this together. We all got to cumulatively grow our voices together and just scream at this motherfucker and hope it turns into a huge ball of fire that will just chase him and incinerate him. I want him to get raped in the mouth and the ass and every orifice of his body. I don't give a fuck. We we can get this podcast canceled talking about Trump. (laughs) That'd be a good reason. (laughs) (laughs) Worth it.
you've been doing some some interesting stuff during the pandemic it seems like to stay busy uh, i'm thinking about your the sets you have on twitch and um the uncle shoes flip series that you've been doing Word. Tell, tell us a bit about the flip series like where did the idea from that come from uh it's funny the original the way it originally happened was uh the first record that i ever put out the JD unreleased. I put a, a a collection of remixes from JD out in like 1996 that labels had told him were accepted, and then they fronted on them, so they never came out. So it just took me back to like square one with that record. Now, when we put this record out, it was like seven remixes, and then there was this interlude that Jay had included on there. It was like an interlude off of Pucho on the Latin Soul Brothers record, just like a little Fender Rhodes vamp, like 20 seconds fade in, fade out, and I was like what's up with that like what's that for and he was like you know it's just like some little cool fender road shit motherfucker can make a beat with so let me do what this motherfucker intended you know what i mean let's make it come to fruition so i took that interlude and i posted up on my soundcloud with the download link and it's basically just open invitation you flip it you send me a link to your entry i make a playlist with all the entries and the whole point of the shit is to show producers the importance of perspective you know what i mean there's more than one way to skin a cat mm -hmm. like you dumbass like listen to the mm -hmm. whole record <laughs> like listen to the whole song first cats mm -hmm. be so hungry like why why have you already entered this contest an hour in like you got like two weeks to enter like take your time everybody's in such a rush you know what i mean it's just something fun to do it's it's in building community and Letting yeah. some of the some of the rookies and just kids that would never be involved in a conversation with anybody else be on the court with them at the same time. You know what I mean? So that was volume one. The volume one producers were Tall Black Guy and Shy Shoe. Yeah. Um, volume two was Dirt Beats, Chains, and Juicy the Emissary. Volume three, yeah, it's just I do them like once a year, and it's just it's just fun. Like a lot of people are doing them now. There's mad like sample drum pack beat flip challenges and shit but i think mine's a little bit different because the winners of my shit get a record like i press that shit on the 45 and that gets to live forever in the in the actual you know physical universe you also you put all the entries in a playlist like you did like a marathon like eight nine hour session i do eight hours every monday uh i do a show on twitch called my favorite things and it's funny because like you know that live stream shit popped off about I mean, like six, seven years ago with like De La Soul's dugout and a bunch of cats doing it. I could never get into DJing for a camera. You know what I mean? Like, right. and still I'm not really doing that. The goal of this shit is just, I'm never happier than when somebody comes over the crib and sits on the couch and I just whoop their ass with records for four or five hours. Right. So it's kind of a, it's that, but everyone's invited. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. And I love it. It's a, it's a great time. I can't, I can't fucking wait till every Monday noon monday well i think you're also providing that sense of community too i mean it's Absolutely. enjoyable for you but like that's another way that you're providing it yeah i mean it's very you know it's very for it's for me and it's for y'all like it's therapeutic for both of us i get to have my interaction you know i just want to play some good shit for some good people yeah you know what i mean and people appreciate it and i appreciate their appreciation because yeah. if nobody fuck with what i was doing fuck i'm gonna do <laughs> you know what i mean which is the reason why i haven't started the eight hour ig live music set because nobody's paying attention <laughs> right i mean if you never start no one's ever gonna pay attention that's a good point you know what i mean mm -hmm. it started with the, just the casual ig lives and shit and that shit got real tiresome just with with the time restraints and shit yeah. you know what i mean 
and then I didn't really have a lot of problems with with being clipped because I don't play regular shit. I like to right. play shit that you ain't never heard in your life. But it just frustrated me so much that these motherfuckers are so goddamn greedy, and they literally need every fraction of every penny. It's like it's like when that Keydron Bryant joint finally came out. That I just want to live joint. You heard that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an incredible song. So it came out. The video came out. I went to repost it, and I have never had anything immediately get taken down as soon as I posted it. Hmm. It's like, you stupid motherfuckers. Like, you don't want people to promote your record? Like, you're stopping people from actively promoting mm-hmm. your record. Right. Or you're stopping DJs that you have sent this music to to play. Yeah. What the fuck are y'all doing, man? This, this whole shit, I mean, a lot of these rules need to be rewritten. Sampling rules and all that shit. You got people... Yeah, that's sampling shit. We're, we're building careers for people that have been invisible up until the point that a producer touched their fucking record. Yeah. And now they got three or four or five repressings of their classic record that no one would have ever listened to if this motherfucker over here ain't sampling. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And we got to give you all the publishing and you get all the money off of streaming. Like, no, nah, motherfucker, we got to rewrite this shit. It's a dirty game. That's why I don't play ball. I'm over here doing what the fuck I do. I don't pay attention to none of that shit. Yeah, I was going to say, you seem to really just do what you want to do and not yeah. really concern yourself with with any of that right i stay out the way for the most part until i get so frustrated that i gotta scream on some shit you know what i mean sometimes screaming is necessary absolutely i wanted to get your thoughts so there's been a lot of talk about ownership in the industry i mean that's always been a conversation that's been on the table but it, it feels like it's been really talked about a lot as of late so you know I think the music industry is a grimy business and (laughs) I think that there's a lot of artists, unfortunately, that don't know the ins and outs of ownership and, you know, and what they're entitled to um, versus what they actually get paid. So I just wanted to know what your thoughts are on that. You know, if there's some opportunity for education in terms of, you know, making artists aware of what's going of the behind the scenes, you know, like making them see the bigger picture. At this point in time, in 2020, what the fuck you need a record label for? Period. I put out up to maybe 70 records on my record label in the last seven years. I don't own none of that shit. I don't do contracts. There's no paperwork. Hey, man, I want to put your shit on the record. How could you feel right taking ownership of some shit that you have had absolutely no part of that creative process? That's some fucking devil shit, man. Like one of the most evil things that has ever happened in the history of art is when two motherfuckers sat down at a table and figured out how to own everybody else's shit. That mm-hmm. whole publishing shit. Yeah, you can get rich and you can be da 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 publishing deals. Da-da-da. Motherfucker, I created this shit. There's no like somebody mentioned to me that maybe a year or so ago, they're like, if Universal came to you with like five million dollars for Street Corner, you wouldn't sell that shit. I said, bitch, if they came with 50, I'd sell it. $5 million, I could spend $5 million in a fucking week. <laughs> you better give me some, like, these are my babies. These are my children. Mm-hmm. This is my entire adult life. You know what yeah. I mean? And can't nobody do this shit like me. Like, I'll say it. Can't nobody do this shit because motherfuckers care about too much other shit that ain't got nothing to do with this shit. I don't give a fuck about none of that. So when you fuck with what I do, you're getting, it's uncut, it's raw, it's not stepped on at all. Because I'm not worried about fucking flipping that shit even extra some more custos. Blah, blah, blah. I don't give a fuck about that shit. I don't give a fuck if I break even on a record. <laughs> like, I literally don't care. I got a P&D with Fat Beats. They front that shit. I pay in the back end. I put out shit that they, I put out music that makes me feel some kind of way. Yeah. 
and I want another motherfucker to feel that kind of way. That's that's it. That's the whole mission statement right there. That and and, and growing confidence in in creatives because for some reason the most incredible creatives are some of the most incredibly unconfident people you ever meet in your life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I just want to reinstill confidence and let motherfuckers be better. And just I don't like doing shit with established artists. I just like giving kids their first records. You know what I mean? Like it's a playground, man. How do you make money doing that though? Do you take a cut? Uh, I mean, we do 50-50 splits, like okay. for the profits. Uh, yeah. What I've tended to do a lot more over the last few years is do a product split, though, because if I'm doing 300 copies of a record, there's not a big profit margin at all on 300 records. Like, literally, you're making, like, maybe a 1000 bucks. Split that in half, you're not even paying a half a month's rent. Right. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll do, like, if I'm doing, like, say I'm doing 300 copies of a record, I'll do, like, 350 and I'll take a hundred copies and do them in like a specific colorway. I give those all to the artists. Okay. So you got a hundred. You got a hundred copies of a record that you can sell if you autograph that motherfucker up to like thirty, forty dollars a piece. You'd have made like three, four grand. Or you could take this little five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Like I'm making it the best for you. You know what I mean? I'm gonna give you yeah. as much as I can. And it's frustrating because sometimes the shit just doesn't catch on, and there ain't no money. So I just keep giving motherfuckers here, man. Like just take these records, man. They just sitting around. You take that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Keep it moving. So how do underground artists survive in 2020? I mean, can this be their full-time job? Man, we're honestly all in the same fucking gang right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody is. Um, absolutely. I mean, just fucking Bandcamp. Bandcamp is a fucking playground. I have told... You would talk about education. I have told so many fucking artists, mainly producers. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, man. Put a beat up on your Bandcamp page every every week. You got mad shit you're sitting on. Take a beat. When you wake up Monday morning, 9 o'clock, pick out one of your beats, put the shit on Bandcamp for a dollar, two dollars. Then next week, take that down. Put it private. Put another one up. Mm-hmm. Every week, you're just putting a beat up and you continually make them private. At the end of the season, say, you know, you start at the beginning of spring, at the end of spring, you, you've passively created an album that you've made all that money from your supporters that want to cop the shit when it's exclusively brand new. And then at the end of the season, take private off. you got an album you can sell for $10. This is shit you don't even have to actively work on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. none of nobody's ever done it. None of them have done it. I mean, I ain't done it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, it's a lot. I mean, you just got to fucking save your money. Like, yeah, you got to flip it. I mean, it's that fucking tired ass dope game cliche you know what i mean you gotta flip that motherfucking bread it ain't to be spent Hmm. you do a record you get your money you do another one keep it going you know what i mean and now it's the new the interesting thing now is if you're really really dope this shit came out like the last three years and it's really crazy how you can just have a really dope record and farm that motherfucker off to like three different labels with different variant pressings like we got an exclusive colorway over here we got an exclusive cover over (laughs) here you know what i mean but but you're getting 16 to $18 off of each record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they paid to press that shit. And you already sold your copies. You know what I mean? Like, so there's definitely a lot of ways. At the end of the day, the best way to survive is to be as dope as fucking possible. There it is. You know what I mean? Work on that dopeness. <laughs> okay, we're going to get more money. <laughs> okay, we're going to get into something else.
So I want to get a feel of the artists that are on the Street Corner Music roster. So are these all people that you already have an established relationship with? Are some people artists that you're developing? Uh, let me pull the catalog. Hold on. I mean, kind of like when I finally did my first record, when I did Let It Go back in like 2012, like those, yeah. were, it's all personal relationships. Okay. It's no like cold calls, like, hey man, how much for a verse? Like, no, these are my people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it tends like, yeah, probably, you know, 95% of the fucking label okay. is that. Or from came from like Twami. Twami's done pretty good on the label. You know, knowledge put me up on Twami. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Detroit homies, you know, I got cats from all over the world, man. Sometimes it, it can just, it's just a moment that happens. Yeah. You just cross paths. One of the illest stories I tell people is the, uh, this cat, Wildflower. Wildflower <clears throat> is fucking bananas. And I was just getting ready for my radio show one day and I was like, yo, who's got some heat? And young homie sent me this little fucking video on Twitter and he was just, it was like a beat. He was like noodling around on a, on a like a micro cord or a, a mini move keyboard and it sounded really really dope and i was like yo that's crazy send me that when you're done with it and then that turned into send me a batch and send me a couple more batches and then you know your record comes out nine months later <laughs> and now you got two records on the label you know what i mean yeah innocence the innocence is very important to me as well there's not a lot of innocence left in the world period let alone the fucking whole ass record industry so that shit has a very very valuable weight for me as well you know what i mean mm-hmm. what say more about that what do you mean by innocence just people doing it because they want to do it because it's inside of them not because they're trying to get a track on fucking travis scott's album or fucking be the big swinging dick on the street right just a ill motherfucker that has that shit inside of them and has to express it yeah you know what i mean i keep i always tell people there's a kid in this fucking bedroom that will never we're never going to hear the best music because the best music is being created by people that don't give a fuck about this. They're not doing it for a show. They're doing it because they're ill as fuck. And they're just yeah. creating. Yeah. They don't give a fuck about a record deal. I know that's an ethos that like you you have carried with you, you've subscribed to throughout your career. And I wonder if you is that like a Detroit thing, do you think, or is that more like an individual value? Well, I mean, Detroit has definitely got a, a lot of I don't give a fuck in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, it's got to be some Detroit shit because I'm from Detroit and that's what made me the way I am. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, man. Who wants to fit in? Who wants to make a fucking song that everybody likes? Yeah. Who, how unenjoyable would that be? Trying to figure out how to like the greatest songs that everybody likes were not made by somebody sitting in the studio. Like, how can we make everybody like this? They just made some, you know, transformative shit in the mm-hmm. moment. Right. When all that other bullshit and boardroom shit and fucking dry erase boards come in, nah, homie, I'm cool on that. The sense that I have is that a lot of what's come out of Detroit, you know, especially in the 90s, was like art created from the need to survive or the need to express. Not that that's unique to Detroit, but Detroit seems like a unique, uniquely positioned place to struggle. I always personally felt that since Detroit was kind of so wild and there was a lot of struggle and just strife and violence and just wild shit in the hood that when motherfuckers got that opportunity to create, it was an escape. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why a lot of that shit is so beautiful. You know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah. the foundation, the drums are tough as fuck. You know what I mean? But the music on top of that shit is fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole nother place. 
know what I mean? For me, one of the one of the first people that really made me pay attention to Detroit, just from hearing his his stories, was Danny Brown. Word up. So I'm I'm curious about your history with him. Um, <coughs> how did you first meet Danny? Where did your paths cross? Man, I met him through Nick Speed, my young my young homie Nick Speed, uh, producer, DJ, rapper. He just told me about this cat. I mean, a lot of memories are very foggy, just period, for like the last, you know, from like 95 to like 2015. It's just a lot of haze in there, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, the the one thing I tell people about Danny Brown is, uh, like, I've seen three certified superstars in my life way before, you know what I mean? Of course, the first one one was Eminem at the hip-hop shop. Danny Brown at his hot soup release party at Oslo. Oslo was a it was a sushi bar that my homies my homies owned in Detroit. Uh, great food, and then in the basement they had a very small, dark, very the sound was fantastic. And he did his release party there, and it was probably about maybe eighty people, and one half of the crowd were all the homies. They knew every word of the shit. Mm-hmm. The other half didn't know this motherfucker from, you know, motherfucker on any, you know, from Adam, as they say. Two songs in at that motherfucking release party, you could not tell the difference. Everybody was gone. It was like a once in a lifetime fucking thing. You know, that, that room was so on fire. Innocence, once again, just a motherfucker making dope shit. And this wide range of blue collar motherfucking Detroit motherfuckers in that room. Half of them knew all that shit. The other half were completely anonymous. And that shit just went the fuck up. Two songs in. I played, this was in 2007, I believe. I played Danny Brown for three and a half hours with no skit, like no repeats. Maybe a couple repeats. He was just, he recorded so much. He he worked so much. And his batting average is crazy. I'm not a sports dude, but with, with this rap shit, I'm all about your batting. What's your batting average? You know what yeah. I mean? His batting average is fucking incredible. I was honored to be able to drop the uh, the hot soup shit on Street Corner. You know, when, when they put that shit out mm-hmm. in Detroit, I told him, I was like, man, you got to ship me a box of them. Fuck. I was working at Fat Beats at the time. And I was like, you got to send me a box of them CDs, man. I was slanging the fuck out of that shit. CDRs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People people always trusted me <clears throat> when I work at record stores. I'd be like, hey, man. Is that word? Yeah. Trust me. Another one. You know what I'm saying? Classic mm-hmm. records for years. People trust Uncle Shoes. You've made a name for yourself in breaking artists. I've never done favors either. Like if I never understood how somebody who listens to dope shit all the time can't tell that their shit is nowhere near good even. You know what I mean? I never did favors in the club. I never did favors on the radio show or nothing. Like I only play music that I love and respect. You know what I mean? Like I can't give you your little five minutes of fame at the club tonight, man, because there's fucking 500 people on that dance floor that are going to go get a drink when I play your record. I'm cool. It doesn't move me. I play shit. I'm, I'm very selfish. I don't play mm-hmm. for the fucking crowd. Yeah. I got, I got booked for a reason. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I'm here for a fucking reason. Why would the fucking teacher ask the students what they want to learn today? Well, I think it's a gift to be able to, to recognize good music. <coughs> I mean, you talk about artistry and you talk about somebody who's a superstar and, and has this talent and, you know, passion within them. But I, you know, on the other side of that, I also think it takes talent to like recognize that, to hear it when you hear it. Word up. 
you know, whether or not anybody else is paying attention or listening. I mean, that doesn't matter. Right. Um, you know? Yeah. I just, I think it has a lot to do with the fact, just like in the last, in the last uh, conversation, just never getting involved in any type of playing ball or catering. You know what I mean? I was very selfish. I need to find some shit that fucking makes me want to beat the brakes off of somebody with that record in the club this week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's always been like that from St. Andrews Hall when I had, you know, I DJ on Friday nights. So I had from Saturday to Friday evening for the next week to find all the heat. Now it's just, you know, a couple emails, a couple clicks on the fucking internet. You got the new heat. I mean, you used to have to fucking go driving all across the motherfucking city to find them test pressings and them white labels. You know what I mean? You had to build those relationships with those peoples and those, in those record stores, those managers of the vinyl sections and shit. Bring them fucking pizza and shit. Drink a beer with them. Smoke a blunt with them. You know what I mean? Got to get that heat. You had to earn it back then. Absolutely. I'm very grateful, you know, that cats kind of always, they could just smell it. They could smell it on me. You know what I mean? I never really had to go through no rah-rah shit. Motherfuckers kind of yeah. trusted me from the get-go. I was a little white motherfucker going to the club in 1994 with a little stack of records asking for the last 15 minutes of the night. Like, who wants to give up the last 15 minutes of the night? Like, that's the one time of the night you ain't trying to give up. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can come, on, you can come play the beginning of the night, homie, but <laughs> the last 15 minutes? And I just had my little, my little stack of fucking heat. Started cooking them. And, you know, God bless. Ten years as a platform in Detroit, Michigan. Like, being able to kind of shape the ears of the city. Mm-hmm. So fucking hard. honor. Super honored. You know what I mean? I'm honored for all this. I'm very grateful. A lot of people just think I'm a fucking asshole, rah, rah, rah. No, I just ain't got no time for that shit, man. Yeah. Regardless of what any of you think, I'm one of the only motherfuckers that does all this shit for all the right reasons. And I'm blessed. And I'm, I'm you know, one of your greatest values in your life is how much you can inspire others to be great. And I feel that I've done a whole motherfucking lot of that. You know what I mean? Detroit stand up, Danny Brown. Nick Speed. Oh. 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 Chopping up grams, matched out bridge card kids drinking juicy juice. Grown man still living off fruit loops. Sip fake, go better made red hot. In a wrong place, might see red dots. Hot dogs in the pot, raining in a microwave. Sitting on the porch, sugar in a Kool-Aid. Focus on beef in the big metal can. Wish pockets fat like a base head hand. Under pressure and I might just explode Raised by the G's so I stick to the code When I get on, put the city on, bro Until that day, still fucking with the bone We need more house shoes and less less bullshit Yeah, good luck with that <laughs> That can be your campaign slogan More house shoes, less bullshit Yeah, it's catchy You know what I mean? Hey, I wanted to ask you about um, a documentary I watched recently. I think Gus Sutherland is the one who put it together. The All un- ears of the, the unseen. The unseen. I am so happy that I just like I've been looking for that shit for like two years, and I finally found it on an old hard drive. 
and I'm trying to figure out how to share my screen on Twitch, and I'm gonna have like a low key ass like surprise viewing of that shit probably in the next week or two. Nice. But yeah, that shit is fucking. Have you seen All Ears though? I haven't seen that one. So All Ears came first. All okay. Ears was about like the L.A. scene, like low end theory, and the Unseen is like the prequel. Okay. Because it's Detroit shit. Because yeah. the L.A. shit is a is a child of that Detroit scene. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Both equally incredible. But the crazy thing about the Unseen is it was really, really dope. Like, the first cut was really dope. But back in the day, there was this cat named Justin Kovar. Like, a, a big white dude, crazy-ass beard, big, thick glasses. And he had a fucking video camera everywhere. He had a video camera at the hip-hop shop. He had a video camera at the fucking... St. Andrews Hall. He had a video on the camera in the shelter, you know, everywhere. Yeah. Footage of, footage of everything. And he dropped this fucking time capsule on me with so much fucking history. Just hours and hours of classic, like that radio show shit that right. I told you about. Yeah. Like two separate camera angles. Like the, <laughs> S, like the SV show that the interlude for Look of Love came from. Like the live interlude, like the live intro to the Look of Love song, you know, yeah. when it's a, unbelievable. So I sent all that shit to Gus. Okay. And that just took the shit and made it out of this fucking world. So the footage that we that you see in the unseen is is the footage you're talking about. Is yep, it's all from that. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's just emotional. <laughs> but you yeah. got it. You got to see the. Uh, all oh, ears joint, man. Like, oh, I've been telling Gus to just fucking release that shit. Just fucking press up like 500 copies of that shit. They put it on a USB drive. Sell it for 20 bucks. Do something. Yeah. yeah. It's too good. It's a document. It's like, those are two absolute documents. Well, I like how you called it a time capsule because that's how it felt. It felt like yeah. I was like transported back in time mm-hmm. while I was watching it. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out to Gus. Fucking Belfast, like coming and making, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I always take somebody. The motherfuckers over there love this shit so much more than we do. Mm-hmm. As much yeah. as we love it, like they they love it, but they appreciate it and yeah, they really understand. I think how important it is to document and you know we gotta we gotta pay to bring these motherfuckers over here. Like all these artists that don't get any traction in America, but they can do a month and a half in Europe and very well-supported tours. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. This beer is really fucking good, though. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) I never knew that you had a cameo in 8 Mile. (laughs) I got two. I never knew that. I recently... I got two. I got two. And I was was supposed to have three. But I think I just reflected too much light in the final one. And it just didn't (laughs) happen. Uh, Yeah, so a couple things about 8 Mile. Like, all the... All the records on stage. Those are my records. Yeah. Those are my, those are my crates and shit. Like the records that they made for the battle scenes were basically bootlegged from my records. Like they took my copy of the Shook Ones and had a motherfucker make a, a plate and press 30 copies of that and my OC and photocopying the record labels and all that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so when they started shooting Paul, you know, Paul Rosenberg, I know Paul since the hip hop shop since fucking 94, fucking Rhythm Kitchen. And he hit me. He was like, yo, shoes, I got a, got a good cameo for you. So right at the beginning of the movie, after he throws up in the bathroom and he's getting into it with the bouncer, 
like I'm basically just they got me looking kind of like a goony little white dude in the back smoking a blunt. And the fucked up thing is they wouldn't let us smoke weed at first. So we were just continually actually smoking like Swishers, Swisher <laughs> sweets. Or they might have even been yeah. Philly because that was Philly era. Yeah. Jesus Christ. He felt terrible. Then we were just like, <laughs> fuck it, man. I was like, listen, man, I can't keep smoking these, man. We just got to roll weed. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, the second cameo, there's this one little very brief pan up from uh, from the mixing board in one of the battle scenes. Uh-huh. And that's my little white hand on the mixing board. And the, <laughs> and the final one, actually, at the very end of the movie, when uh, when she gives him the finger at the end of the battle, mm-hmm. I'm literally standing right next to her. But I'm totally cropped out of the, of, of the picture. Oh. Paul was like, yo, I got a good one for you, bro. We're going to put you right next to her. Yeah, rest in peace, Brittany Murphy, man. She yeah. Was, yeah. She was a sweetheart. That, that was a fucking... That was such an incredible fucking experience man that whole like the entire cast of extras was basically the entire Detroit hip hop scene hmm. everybody got checks off of that shit we just had a ball I mean we were showing up at fucking 7.30 in the morning motherfuckers had bottles of Hennessy and shit and rolling yeah. up blunts and shit <laughs> motherfuckers be passed out on the table missing their scene and shit it was fucking amazing <laughs> <laughs> it was so good that that's where my question was. I I wondered. I mean, that was such a huge movie. I remember when it came out, it was like a a big deal. So I wonder what the reception was like in the local community in Detroit. Like, uh, what did people think about the movie? Oh, you know, everybody everybody loves it except the motherfuckers who don't. <laughs> the entire chorus of the people that love it is never as loud as two or three of the motherfuckers that didn't like it. Yeah. Oh, this wasn't this. Duh, duh. You just mad because you went in the movie, motherfucker? Are you mad because he fucking ate your ass up at the hip hop shop one day? Like, <laughs> get over that shit, man. That's crazy. M was actually on the radio for the first time on my fucking college radio show, mm. and it was and and Dilla was on the same episode. He wow. was on the first. He was on the first half. M was on the second half. Amazing. You got a recording? You got a recording of that? Yeah, I got video. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah, just keep it in the tuck, man. Everything doesn't have to, you know. Yeah, I've, of I've, course. I've let a couple of little, people are so thirsty, man. It's like they feel like they deserve it. Right. Like you, you gotta post that. I'm like, motherfucker, this is my life. Like, right. Fall back, man. Like, be glad I let you get a glimpse of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not everything needs to be online. Right. And nobody is entitled to anything outside of what somebody chooses to let you be a part of. Absolutely. These fucking fans are so spoiled because I mean it's it's great to be able to you know you got artists that drop the fucking project every month it's a lot of music it's a little bit right. too much in my opinion but mm-hmm. it's just kind of feeding entitlement you know and now the fact yeah. that nobody literally nobody has to even pay for music anymore they don't they didn't fuck this so hard in this man it's so crazy totally agree but uh, can I get a can I get a look at that video <laughs> uh, I'm just, just <laughs> hey man holler when you're in the city man come through um, one of my favorite records to come out of Detroit this year is the Sterling Tolls. Uh, Boldy. Yeah. Man. That record is incredible. Man. And what a process. You know what I mean? Like that record was recorded in like started in 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I had been hearing whispers about whispers about it for some years. And then I actually had that record for about a year, but I just had it in one long MP3. Okay. Yeah. That shit is amazing. Just a union of the entire city. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That dude is a fucking genius, man. I, I got, he was always kind of like a fly on the wall. Like you never really knew what he did. You know what I mean? But he would be everywhere and he's a cool, cool ass cat. 
and he put a record out. The record he put out before this one, I can't fucking name the title of it right now. But, you know, sometimes you can crack my fucking head with the physical design of your record, just like you do with the music that's on the motherfucker. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, man, is that shit over here somewhere? I want to pull that motherfucker out. Uh, he had his pops come over to the crib and he was just going to have him like talk shit for a little interlude on the record. And his pops end up like spilling the beans, like life story type shit, mainly focused on like the riots, mm-hmm. you know, like the 67 riots in Detroit. And that became like the focal point of the album. But the cover of the record, the front of it is like, uh, it's like his face and there's like a gate, like a door gate in the middle of the cover yeah. and it's a it's a booklet with it like a velcro attachment and it's the whole entire liner notes for the shit but as you fold it out it's like eight panels and it's just a, a fucking crazy picture of like the riots in 67 wow. mm. and all the liner notes are on the backside, and it's just like one of the most fucking incredibly gorgeous album covers i've ever seen like just wow. the thoughts to have that thought yeah it's like thinking a crazy ass way to chop this sample up that no one would have, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, just, yeah. Fuck, here's the uh, Eight Mile Records. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Those are so worth when, a lot, ain't they? Oh, these have never sold. These are not. I mean, I could probably sell these motherfuckers for damn near, yeah, you know, thousands, yeah. thousands of dollars. Yeah, I bet. But uh, showing AG next level primo remix, and what they would do is they would just print on his doubles. <laughs> put the instrumental just press it really wide on each side yeah because you know it's no you know if if the record skip if you scratch the record you need a whole new copy so they just would press like 30 copies of each of them damn you got that you got survival of the fittest you got times up mm. you got shook ones and the funny thing is for the shook ones they it's kind of it's hilarious because they photocopied the album uh label from like the, like from the from LP, the, yeah, it's like yeah. cradle to the grave, drink away the pain, shook ones, party <laughs> over, hilarious. And then uh, last days, Onyx shit. That's incredible. Yeah, I gotta keep that out because uh, that you know, destroy keeps hitting me about doing the collectible shows. I, that was a good look for me to remember to pull that out because that's that's a head that'll be a head cracker. Yeah, <laughs> I love those physical artifacts of the culture. Yeah, man. It's funny working in record stores and seeing the kids, you know, get so excited about opening records because they've literally lived their entire life with no physical media. Yeah. You know what it's I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. And it's just crazy to see them spend, you know, $50 on a Pink Floyd reissue and just take it home and destroy it on their Crosley turntable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do you don't you don't still work at record stores, do you? No, I I used to work at uh <clears throat> this spot in Santa Monica. I like I always like having a foot in a shop, whatever city I'm in, even if it's like working a day or two a week, just to have first take and to have a have a brick and mortar to kind of satellite my shit out of. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was right. I was at this spot in Santa Monica called Record Surplus. And I'm still kind of there in third person. You know, I'm not physically there, but, you know, I make sure all the shit, all my street corner shit's up in there and it's all tidy. Yeah. But yeah, I'm at the fucking crib. Ain't no work for a minute. God bless, right. God bless street corner music. <laughs> hmm. Keep yeah. putting, these, putting these fucking records out. And then after all this shit, 
what the fuck is gonna where the fuck is gonna be left that I could even DJ at? You know what I mean? Yeah. They're start right. they're starting to go. I'm seeing it now, like prominent type of spots that I would rock in in other cities, it's over. Yeah. Hmm. That's forward the forward thinking venues and shit like that, you know? Yeah. It's gonna get it's gonna get real sketchy out here. Yeah. But yeah. we don't need to worry about that right now. We just gotta worry about like what, five weeks from now, six weeks from now? That's right. Motherfuckers it's might need to get some pistols. Hey yo, Queens get the money, long time, no cash. I'm caught up in the hustle where the guns go blast. The fool retaliated, so I had to think fast. Pull out my heat first, see, pull out a seat last. Now who the fuck you think is living to this day? I'm trying to tell these young niggas crime don't pay. They looked at me and said, Queens niggas don't play. Do your thing, I'll do my kiss, stay out of my way. Type hard trying to survive in New York State. But can't stop till I'm eating off a platinum plate. Popo comes around and tries to relocate me. Lock me up forever, but they can't deflate me. Cause having cash is highly addictive. Especially when you used to have a money to live with. I pour a step back, look at my life as a whole. Ain't no love, it seems the devil done stole my soul. I'm out for Delphia, Selfia. P's not helping you. I'm trying to get the selections up. Plus the cellular, your big noise. What up, cousin? I can't cope with all these crab niggas trying to shorten my I once heard you uh, say that. The infamous is like your best friend. Absolutely. You, know you, what I mean? you, you said it's your best friend. It's like your safety net. Yeah, it's always going to provide that service. It's going to be cons- like there's literally I was thinking about it today. There's like maybe three records, five or less. There's like five or less hip hop albums personally for me that still every time that I listen to them, it's like the first time I heard them. It feels it, it feels that good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Infamous. Infamous is the top of that motherfucking list. Infamous is my favorite album of, of any genre of music. Like, mm-hmm. period. It's just the perfect rap album to me. You know what I mean? I like that rah-rah shit. Fucking beats are incredible. It's just, man, it's Wait. my baby. It's my baby. Infamous. Jeez, what would like, can you imagine what your life, what would our lives be like without, if, if that album was never made? It, I don't know. You, you understand what a gaping hole you would never understand that yeah. it even exists? You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't I be say able that. to quote yeah. Shook Ones every every day. I feel like Shook Ones get quote gets quoted all the time. Man, like so many of those lines turn into like hooks for other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's very telling when you have an album that so many of your lines, like that's the next stage of their existence. It's gonna be a hook. That line yeah. was so ill that it's a hook for another motherfucker's whole song. Havoc is fucking so crazy. Havoc is fucking and it, and it took me a long time to really because on one hand, like the style for like some of those major, major joints, the style is it's really kind of on some producer shit. It's kind of simple. You know what I mean? He had great drums. Mm-hmm. He would catch some some sample and he would just pitch the shit all the way down and like play it on some multi. You know what I mean? It would be perfect. Like yeah. I hate I have usually I hate beats that come from that kind of equation. And that album is full of just some of the greatest production I've ever heard in the genre. You know what I mean? Havoc and Prodigy complemented each other very well. Oh, and probably the greatest uh, kind of grow up or growth spurt. Yeah. From a first to a second album oh, ever, yeah. ever in life. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yo, what just happened here? Do you remember hearing it for the first time? I don't. I know, I know it would have been on a Saturday. I remember like the first time. I remember everything leading up. I remember the... It was a loud sampler, like uh, yeah, 
It was a double vinyl loud sampler because my homie Jason Staten used to bring, he was my loud rep at St. Andrews. He would bring records down to me every Friday. I remember when he brought the, it was like Nutter Butters and some shit like that. And it had Shook Ones Part 1 on there. Right. And then he, he brought me to Shook Ones Part 2. And, and I was actually, I was working at, at BMG in the mail room as well. So whatever, you know, I didn't get from him firsthand. It would come in still like a few weeks before the record came out. You know what I mean? All the crazy remixes and they were showing up on, yeah, just all them, man, them fucking beats. And then just Q-Tip hmm. kind of kind of really being the, the glue and kind of just, you know, having kind of his, his hand on the whole record. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I think that was one of the most important things as well. You know what I'm saying? Just in, and you could tell, like, in regards to a lot of the mix and just the drums and shit, like, he had a hand in that shit. I feel like Tip doesn't really get the respect he's due for his production. But he, cho- he chose that, though. That you know, And it's one of the most selfless things I've ever seen in the profession. You know what I mean? Like, I always thought it was fucking Shahid because he was the DJ. Right. You know what I mean? That's what I always thought. And then, like, when... Because the first thing that was, like, just his name in the production, as far as I can remember, was the fucking World is Yours remix. And that shit was so fucking hard. Mm-hmm. So hearing that, you're like, immediately I was like, oh shit, Tip did all the beats because there's no way he just got that nice that fast. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Right. And it's like, fuck, Shy, he was just DJ and he probably did some instrumentation and some shit like that. You know what I mean? But everything was produced by a tribe called Quest. Like it was all for the collective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the homie, man. Shout out to Tip. So on Juvenile Hell, I feel like Prodigy and Havoc's goal. For production wasn't the same as it was for the infamous you know i think they were seeking you know outside parties to do production i know large pro was involved dj premier right. and then they sort of said fuck it and havoc really learned how to produce like he watched yeah. he, he watched people and he was like you know fuck it, i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna learn how to do this for mob deep right and i'm so glad he that he did that because i just the production on this i mean Man. it just makes the album drug dealer's dream stash cream keys on a triple beam 500 sl green 95 nickel bling condominium thug dressed like a gentleman tailor-made ostrich chanel for my women friend murdering numbers on your head while i'm burglaring shank is serving them what's up to all my niggas swerving in new york metropolis the bridge brings apocalypse shoot at the clouds feels like the holy beast is watching us madman my sanity is going like an hourglass gun inside my bad hand i slice trying to bag grams i got hoes that used to milk you niggas who could have killed you it's down with my ill crew of psychos nines escobar moving on your weak production pumping corruption in the third world we just bust and in my opinion my humble opinion I don't speak facts. Sometimes I'll speak facts, but usually it's just my humble opinion. Man, fucking uh, Nas's verse on an eye for an eye is the greatest feature ever in rap music. Mm. Every time, like I'm saying, like it's the first time I heard the fucking record. Like I'm still waiting every time on that motherfucking song. I'm I'm like, yo, he here he comes. He's about to do it again. You know what I mean? Like I still feel like I'm fucking 20 years old listening to that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, just the vibe. It's just so, you know, people talk about Illmatic, and Illmatic is very possibly the best album ever in rap music. But me personally, The Infamous is my favorite. You know what I mean? Because Illmatic was written from, you know, spectator for the most part. It was, mm-hmm. you were watching, like, 
mob shit was like you were in the front seat with these motherfuckers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they were taking you through. Story wraps so crazy. Oh, man. And P was just razors. P was fucking razors, man. And Havoc, once again. Oh, what's y'all what's your favorite song on the infamous? Oh, man. <laughs> I thought about this. I thought about this before we did the show because I was like, this question is going to come up. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard for me. It is hard for me to pick one song. I'll, I'll narrow it down to two, I guess. Every time. So you talk about listening to the album, you know, every time you hear it, it's like hearing it for the first time. That's what it feels like to me when I listen to Survival of the Fittest. Word up. Every time that song comes on, I've heard it a thousand times at this point. Every time it comes on, I get chills. The way it starts out, the way Peace starts it out, you know, just the what he's talking about, like the psychology of it, like the trauma he's talking about, both him and Havoc. It's just it's incredible. The beat. Lyricism, it, it's the full package. So, Absolutely. I mean, that's that's it. And I also love Trife Life. Yeah, that is my joint. It's one of the the beats is one of the lighter ones Man. on the album because I feel like when it comes on, it, it sounds really light, almost like birds should be chirping in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's still like the lyricism is still heavy. Like they talk about heavy shit throughout the whole album. Um, yeah. And that there's no exception um, on that song. But yeah, those I'll, I'll, I'll stick with those two. I can't just pick one. Word. I have to say when it was new, Give Up the Goods was my shit. I Word. loved that song. Word. Uh, and I still love that song. It's something about the production on like Tiff's production on that song in particular that has, there's like a dissonance. The production is kind of bright. The sample's kind of bright. Right. But they're talking about grimy shit. Yeah, hell yeah. And I like that. And I have to say also like right back at you with Ghosts and, and Noid. There's something uh, uh, again about the production on that on that one that's like almost like this dirge. It's just like this, this right. rhythm, this slow <laughs> down like funeral dirge almost. This darkness to it that really pulls me in. Yeah, my shit is an eye for an eye still. I mean, I mm. love, I, I really pretty much, you know, there's there's not too many albums that when I, I never, it's never a song. I'm never playing a song. I'm always putting the, putting the fuck around and playing the whole record. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's a very, it's a very singular piece to me. You know what I mean? But an eye for an eye, just that shit right there is just, mm-hmm. man. Ooh, shit. It's funny what you said about that, the Nas feature, because I listened to the album this week to to prepare for for this and when ray's verse comes up it almost like and it's weird to say this about raekwon but it almost like takes me out of the moment like right right like it's dope but it's like yo you if nas wasn't on that shit we'd have been talking about how great that raekwon verse was right (laughs) you know what i mean but guess what nas fucking chucked that shit so nice yeah it's literally like literally in my fit like my favorite fucking feature of all time on a record yeah, I say th- this album, I mean, the bookend for that, of course, is Verbal Intercourse, though. It's like a perfect fucking matching set. You know what I mean? An eye yeah. for an eye and Verbal Intercourse. But th- yeah. those albums are kind of bookends for me. Those are like, it's like a set. Like, only built for Cuban links and the infamous for me is, I don't need too much else, honestly. Have you ever played a joint from the infamous at a, in a set and not had people react to it? <laughs> it's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's not possible. I mean, just even the shit talking, like the like that's you stop the party and just play that shit. Yeah, but yeah. That P talking shit, like it's fucking perfect. It's fantastic. Yeah, take your fucking pick. Shit, pick a card. <laughs> <laughs> I heard um, 
Funk Flex talk about when the album first came out and when um, Mob Deep was like on the scene and people were really starting to get into them. There were he was at the tunnel and he said this girl came up to him and he was just like, yeah, he was like, you know, she was attractive. You know, she was wearing, you know, tennis shoes, jeans or whatever. And she was just like, she came up to me for a request and she was, she said to him, are y'all going to play shook ones or, and he said, I was really surprised. He was like that. She was asking me to play shook ones. He was like, it was a nice surprise though. He was just like, you know, it just spoke to the impact that they were starting to build. Absolutely. Yeah. The, some funny shit is how it's, you know, people try to come with a clickbait article saying that, Havoc sampled the hi-hats off the fucking stove and shit. Like, who has time to make up fake shit like this, man? Like, when I, <laughs> I was like, man, because Havoc, you know, at first when I saw it, I was bugging out. Like, yo, he sampled the fucking stove, bro. Look at this shit. And then you see you see Havoc be like, man, I didn't sample the fucking stove, man. What the fuck are these motherfuckers talking about? People that don't such got a, better shit that's to such do. A, who wakes up in the morning and is like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to make this shit up. I'm going to say that it was a fucking stove that made, made the Shook Ones beat. <laughs> produced, pr- produced by a stove. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this, you know, when, when Prodigy died, that was the first time that I ever really, like, I cried like a baby that mm. entire day. Like, real mm. shit. I ain't cry about Prince. I ain't cry about Michael Jackson. You know, all respect. It, like, this was my shit. You know what mm. I mean? And... I was always so heavy on the infamous that I pulled out hell on earth and I fuck with hell on earth over the years, but the infamous was just the prominent mm-hmm. character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hell on earth is fucking, I mean, of course it's fucking incredible, but hell on earth is fucking incredible. Yeah. It's like, it's like a darker kind of more advanced version. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, rest in peace, Prodigy, man. It's that shit, man. I'm so grateful for this fucking those two albums. There's a war going on outside, no man is safe from. You could run, but you can't hide forever from these streets that we done took. You walking with your head down, scared to look. You shook, cause ain't no such things as halfway crooks. They never around when the beef cooks in my part of town. It's similar to Vietnam. Now we all grown up and old and be on the cops control. They better have the riot gear ready. Trying to back me and get rock steady. By the Mac 1 double, I touch you and leave you with not much to go home with. My skin is thick, cause I'll be up in the mix of action. If I'm not at home, puffing live, relaxing. New York got a nigga depressed. So I wear a slug proof underneath my guest God bless my soul Before I put my foot down and begin to stroll Into the drama I built And all unfinished beef you will soon be killed Put us together It's like mixing vodka and milk I'm going out blasting Taking my enemies with me And if not they scar so they will never forget me Lord forgive me The Hennessy got me not knowing how to act I'm falling and I can't turn back Or maybe it's the words from my man Killer Black That I can't say so what's left an untold fact Until my death my goals will stay had you ever crossed paths with Mob Deep? Prior no, to Havoc? no, that's one thing I'll say. I, I mean, I met Havoc. I met Havoc at Al's once, but okay. I, ne- I never met Prodigy, and I'm grateful to have never met Prodigy. You ain't got to meet everybody. Sometimes it's cool yeah. to just be a motherfucking fan. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. I'm, gra- I'm grateful. I've I've heard that from people. Sometimes meeting the person you really admire is not what it's. Well, not even that. Like, I never, you know, I don't know. I'm not like, I'm not that kind of motherfucker. I'm not like, right. I want to beat this motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, it's kind of weird. I, 
I don't really get that a lot, like that fan shit. Like, sure. What you gonna go fucking go to? The, you think you're gonna go to the movies or some shit? You gonna go to the mall? <laughs> like y'all gonna be penthouse or some shit? Like yeah. You know, it's you can love a motherfucker's music without fucking being so gone and being like mm-hmm. very it's true. Nothing, it's nothing worse than a blind fan. That shit is so absolute. Such a it'll it'll turn you off to the artists themselves. You know what I mean? When you see these motherfuckers. Even on some Dilla shit. Like, that shit gets so corny. Motherfuckers just repurposing second, third, fourth-hand information that they have no idea what the actual story is. It's just a, a, a mosaic of fucking shit they read on the internet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you wasn't there, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I like that happens so much now on social media. Yeah, it's corny. Yeah. Super corny. But they got us hooked. What are we going to do? Thank, could you imagine uh, if we had, like, well, we did have Twitter way, way back. Not way back, but like there was a whole situation with Mob over that. That shit was terrible. But imagine if they had like fucking Instagram in 1994. No. Fucking Hennessy shirts and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine. <laughs> I'm so grateful that, that we were the we were the last ones that didn't get fucking ruined by hmm. all that access. I mm-hmm. think that's what it comes down to. People feel like yeah. they deserve access to everything. So you don't deserve access to shit, man. Yeah. Go press play on a motherfucking record and say thank you. <laughs> I, it's funny because also a lot of people always shit on Party Over to me. Hmm. It was always interesting. It's a fucking great closure to a great album. And then you find out it's a fucking Miles Davis record. That shit tripped me up. What's the... So I haven't heard the... I haven't heard anyone shit on it. What's the argument? I mean, it's not really an argument. They just say that that's like the one song on the album they don't like. Okay. I'd be like, I'll fight you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Drink Away the Pains shit was crazy too, man. Like mm-hmm. that, was, mm-hmm. that beat was so crazy. And that's some shit yeah. you could play. Like That's the opposite end of the spectrum. Like You could play Shook Ones and have everybody fighting. You know what I mean? Or you could play Eye for an Eye early have people mean mugging survivor the fittest could get some fights popping too but like drink away the pain like people would be geeked off of that shit they'd be fucking running around the fucking club like chickens with their head cut off when i played that it was certain beats that just triggered some wild shit with the motherfuckers in that room on friday nights <laughs> I, I know you don't play for the crowd but what when you are playing and people get hyped does that give you energy oh absolutely absolutely I mean, I'm not I'm not up there just being a fucking spiteful asshole. Like, you know, we're <laughs> we're partying, but we're partying my way. Right, right. You know what I mean? There's definitely a a, a path to the night, you know. We definitely go up at the end. And, oh, it's a great time. Unfortunately, I think I've only been to Philly one time. I played in that church. First Unitarian Church? Uh, the basement. Oh, yep, yes. That's yes. it. Yes. That's Man. it. Yeah, I was I was opening up for uh, Mayor Hawthorne on the first tour. Oh, okay. word. Okay. That shit was really wild because the green room, <laughs> you know, the green room was like the actual fucking church. You know? Yeah, yeah. It was yep. yeah. like the Hennessy, and Hennessy and blunts and shit. It was. <laughs> <yeah>. that, <laughs> that's a wild spot as a fan too. I mean, it used to get yeah. so fucking hot in the basement. Oh, it was a Dude. sweat box. That night was fucking yeah. incredible. Yeah. The floor gets slippery. You have to watch your step. <laughs> yep. It's a low-ass ceiling. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that shit was fire. Uh, so man. funny. Love that they, place. They closed, didn't they, Rob? 
I think they, they stopped still, doing shows there. I think they still do shows there, but it's not what it was. Okay. Yeah, right. I went there once, and I was like, "What the hell?" I don't well, even know, remember who I went to see. It, R5 was booking shows there, and then they opened uh, okay, yeah. Union Transfer and stopped doing yep. it. So. What's right. the temp? What, what's how how is that, how is shit going with y'all out there, man? I I mean Philly's Philly. I I don't. I don't I don't know. I feel like it's the same as most other places. We're just right. yeah, just kind of chilling. Yeah, just staying yeah. inside and trying to survive, up. staying safe for yeah. the most part. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there, you know, there are a bunch of people who are, you know, a bit more hard up than they might Absolutely. normally be, and that leads to, you know, desperate attempts. Yeah, it's gonna happen. But nothing, nothing serious, nothing major. Yeah, yeah, just gotta stay out the way, man. Yeah, stay out the way, ain't nothing gonna happen. Fucking Trump was here. What was it last? Tuesday. Was it this week? Yeah, yeah it was Tuesday. Tuesday for that town hall meeting, and there was definitely protests there. And I was like, yeah, we don't want this bitch in our city. Man, somebody need to throw a cup of hot piss on his ass. Yeah, I was hoping somebody do something like that, but no <sighs> such luck. Yeah, this shit is fucking unbelievable. Like it's literally, it's unbelievable how quickly everybody accepted that shit. And how normalized they were, and how they just accepted it. Like, you know what I mean? This mm. shit's got this shit's got to burn the fuck down, man. Ain't shit gonna change until this motherfucker burn up, <laughs> burn this bitch. I say it. I say that every day. You still yeah. think Trump's gonna win? I don't want to get emotionally involved. Okay. You know what I mean? I I understand that. Never underestimate them cocksuckers, man. And especially mm-hmm. how this he, he's playing with all of them. He's changing, you know, like you've seen this motherfucker has. There's only one thing that he's really done consistently consistently since he went to office, and that's lied. Yeah. Like, I think he might have actually broken, like, some kind of record for the most lying-ass motherfucker <laughs> on the face of this planet in the last four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Word. So what the fuck? How the fuck do you think we're going to get a lying-ass motherfucker out of the He's the president. How the fuck are you going to get him out? He's already said he ain't leaving. If he loses, right. he ain't leaving. What the fuck kind of shit is that? I don't. Yeah, I can't. But it ain't just him, man. Oh. It's not. You're right. Um, You're right. America not America elected him. Right. Mm-hmm. And I will say that the one advantage of having this cocksucker in office is everything's come to the surface because mm-hmm. he is a more accurate depiction of America than fucking damn near any president has ever been in this motherfucker. True. Mm. It's in your face. America is not Los Angeles, Detroit, fucking D.C., Philly. America is fucking hobo, fucking you know what I mean? These motherfuckers going through what I went through talking my shit, as ridiculous as it sounds, they look at us exactly the same as we look at them. Right. Mm-hmm. Just the most absolute disbelief you know what I mean? It's fucking yeah. crazy, man. It's yeah. terif- it's terrifying. That's what I don't really know how you fix. Like our relationship with truth is something that I'm not sure how you repair. It's got to be a reset. Yeah. Come on, man. This shit is it's built on murder. Oh, hold on, Egon. Oh, shouts out to Egon. Murder, rape, genocide, oppression. It's literally the foundation of this country. You know what I mean? Don't. What else? Fucking turkey, pumpkin pie, apple pie, <laughs> ah, motherfucker, blood yeah. and mm-hmm. death. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what and 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 you say you talk to a motherfucker like that and they think that you're a fucking like extremist or some shit. It's like motherfucker, are you stupid? Like 
what books did you read? Like, did you ever None. learn anything? Like, oh, it's scary, man. We this is a stupid fucking country. It's a stupid ass entitled lazy motherfucking country, man. Fucking Twitter activists and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Egon's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me text this motherfucker. Yeah, let him know he's welcome to join the conversation. <laughs> Doing a podcast, bro. Give me a minute. How often do you talk to Egon about records? Oh, when I see him, I'll be at the crib, man. That motherfucker is a walking, he's a monster, man. <laughs> he's a monster. Yeah. He's a monster, man. It's, 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 it's kind of one of those things. You walk up to him, it's like going to the grocery store when you're high. <laughs> and you get there and you just can't remember anything that you want. <laughs> And you just start buying everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seems like an encyclopedia of music. Yeah, and the great thing about him is he shares it. Right. That's very important. He educates people. If you don't do that, it don't keeping secrets is not making any of us better. True. Yeah, I honestly, I eat up everything he posts online. I'll be real with it. If your post is super long, I'm probably not going to read it. <laughs> but I definitely read Egon's stories and, and the stuff he shares about the history of the music he listens to. Right. Yeah, and he's very good with his words. Tommy Hill was my nigga, and others couldn't figure. How me and Hill figure used to move through with vigor. Had to sit and plan on how to make these seven figures. Said the brinks is coming through at Fashion Avenue. At Tuesday at 2, now we got a former crew of motherfuckers who ain't going out like sucker. Told me, call, call, can I? And all my other brothers. I told my sister Walker, who was the smoothest talker. Negotiate the deal with the mother money stalkers. Diesel drove the Beamer, the hatchback, of course. Nordica, a navigate to keep us on course. Whole nose acting bolo trying to say he the boss. I said, shut the fuck up. The no, kid man. is out with the loose sack. Whoa. Got a big trade pam. It's just a shoot back. Tim is on the roof with the 12 gauge rifle. Scope is on the top, so you know he live at Eiffel. Took the aim of Oswald. Caught him north in the face. All them other kids, they had their tools, aimed the space. Levi had the snub, so you know they getting laced. Donna Cameron was crying, cause man shells was flying. Damn, all we want is a piece of the pot in. Nike scooped the sacks, cause he moves like air. Threw them shits up in the trunk, now we up. Out here, oh, got man. back to the mansion to divvy up the paper. Helly Hansen was the brain of the whole entire caper, so she felt it was right for her to get the whole slice. Everybody in the crew didn't think it was nice, I guess not. And guess was hot, so guess what? What? Guess took the jigger and jigged it in the gut. What did y'all think about uh, that little deluxe edition they did of the infamous a few months ago for the anniversary? I think they could have done a way better job. I, I somehow missed that. Did yeah, I didn't. It? No, I didn't. I didn't have it. It had like two bonus tracks. I mean, it was dope historically, but I just feel like they could have. Oh, I see. They could have pulled out something a little hotter. Well, Shook One's part one was on it. Okay. And it just looks like alternate takes. But they didn't put like the heaters because there's some fucking heaters because they did it. Well, them motherfuckers probably own those records. So the cast to put it out, they did a version. What was the name of that shit? Uh, the infamous Mob Deep. It was like a black and yellow cover. Yeah. And and it was a two CD. And they had like, yeah, like the the eye for an eye with the different beat mm. with Go with Ghost on there too. You okay. know what I mean? Mm. That shit was crazy. Uh, the Get It in Blood joint that was crazy. Yeah, they just had a bunch of shit on here that was like, it was like the original version of Give Up the Good, Give Me the Good. Like they, there's version of, dip, of of Give Up the Goods with a different beat. Yeah, it was just way hotter shit. 
I was like, for that to be the official like 25th anniversary joint, I was like, uh, you could you should have just kind of just left that shit alone and just put like a 25 year stamp on the fucking cover. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it looks like it looks like they called it like the expanded edition, but it only had four or five extra tracks on it. Right. Yeah, I could see how it might be disappointing. Yeah, but the whole record's on there too, so it, it ain't shit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got that. The day that Prodigy died, I was talking with Tip on text and shit, and he was like, "Man, I wish you could have heard that that Dilla shit." And I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" My head immediately went to later, like 2000 era or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. This motherfucker sends me like a voice note of him playing a tape, and it's fucking like Hell on Earth era. It's lines. It's a Dorothy Ashby fucking. JD beat from like 1996, maybe 1995. No, it's 1996. Yeah, 96. And it's fucking, fucking mob deep on that motherfucker. So the odd thing is, there's a mixtape that came out around that time in Detroit that was uh, DJ Head and Proof. Head was M's DJ. It was a mixtape called WEGO. And basically, it was just a vessel for a bunch of like DJ Head remixes and JD exclusive shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So on that tape, Busta's rhyming over that same beat. Now on YouTube, there's a clip of Tip rhyming on it. Mm. It's all, those are the pieces. Because I, I was like, yo, man, I heard you rhyming on that shit. You just played me this mob shit, and the Busta shit was on WEGO. He's like, yeah, we all cut that at the crib one day. What? So Q-Tip, Busta, and Mob just casually <laughs> fucking rhyming over an ill-ass JD beat at the crib in 96. Mm. Unbelievable. Mm. Incredible. Yeah, scary thinking about all the music that we, you know, you try not to think about it. Like, you get that thirsty fucking 2020 internet fan. Like, I want to hear everything. Yeah. Yeah. But there's just so much shit that you'll never hear. You're just never going to hear it. It doesn't necessarily mean that it was bad. You know, a sample couldn't have been cleared or a feature couldn't, didn't get cleared. Some of the best songs you'll ever hear in your life, we'll just never hear them. Yeah. But regardless of that, we will always have Mob Deep Sniff. That's right. What was the slogan? More, more house shoes, less bullshit. Yeah, that's right. yeah, that's right. There we go. Mm-hmm. There we go. Uncle shoes nose. I got those Uncle shoes nose T-shirts. Y'all can get them. Yes, yes. <laughs> street corner s, street corner scm dot com. We got mm-hmm. coffee mugs too. <laughs> you actually need like up. house shoes, house shoes though. Like, yeah, when are we gonna get those? It's such a fine line, you know what I mean? Because like. 
I'm about my quality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. The reason I my name is House Shoes is because right before I went to college, my mom got me super G ass pair of house shoes. L B Evans. It's like black leather, super comfortable. And I wore them motherfuckers everywhere. But they they cost like you know like seventy eighty dollars a pair type shit. Yeah. So if I was to make something, I, I would love to go in with a company or something. But as far as like manufacturing, you know what right. I mean? I don't have the capital to do it how I want. And that you know. Right. I'm not. I'm not about to do no half-ass shit. I can't yeah. just give y'all like some fucking swap meat house shoes just to <laughs> just to get some money real quick. Eh, I'm cool. <laughs> I want some shit that you can live with. You know what I mean? It's just like the records. Kendrick Lamar did a series with Nike, and he called them house shoes, but they were. Oh, I was so mad about that. Yeah, not, they were like but, slip but, on Cortezes. <laughs> no, they're fire. I'm not mad. Like yeah, but my homie worked at Nike. <laughs> my homie's girlfriend used to work at Nike. It's a funny story. So that picture leaked and a couple people hit me on like, tag me on Instagram, tag me on Twitter, like, yo, what's this? So I immediately screenshot that shit, hit up his girl, like, yo, what's this? And she's like, oh, we had it. We had that on Hush for months, keeping that a secret from you. You know what I mean? Like, we was going to lace you up with a, with a few pair on that drop. I'm like, okay, word. I was like, I really want them autographed, but fuck it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the last minute, Kendrick ended up taking all the seed pairs himself and seeding them, so she couldn't even give me any of the motherfuckers. But like <sighs> five, five people like just sent me a box. Them motherfuckers were just showing up in the mail like, "Hey, I seen these. I copped them for you, shoes. I got like four pair of them motherfuckers." Oh damn! <laughs> yeah, they're comfortable. I mean, I like them. I've yeah. actually, I've actually been trying to find. They got these Nike glides that they, I think they came out with like maybe six seven years ago and I, I think they only did one run on them but they look so ill they're like black cortez slip-ons yeah mm. and i've never been able to locate a single pair of them bitches so i'm not mad with these colorways dope you know what i mean it's just so ill how it says fucking house shoes on that shit yeah people people are so stupid like hey shoes you getting some money from that <laughs> I'm like, bitch, I'm not the actual embodiment <laughs> of house shoes. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Motherfuckers <laughs> is crazy. I thought you were getting royalties. That's like when that fucking Kanye sampled that stroke or covered that stroke shit. He was like, you get a piece of that? Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? The Soul stroke shit. Stro Elliott, on the, uh, he used it on the Sunday service shit. Uh, okay. Yeah. Soul okay. to Soul cover. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's off the Stro Elliott record that I put out on Street Corner. Mm-hmm. And motherfuckers was hitting me up like, "Yo, you get you, yeah, man, you Kanye, you get some money." I'm like, "Motherfucker, we didn't pay soul to soul." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, nah, it's, it's not about the come up, motherfucker. But guess what? I put a record out, and it's the best part of Kanye's album. The, the best moment on his record is a cover of some shit that I put out fucking five years ago. We fucking dictate this shit. The, un- yeah. the underground motherfuckers. Will always dictate this fucking culture. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And motherfuckers are always gonna be trying to take all the credit for it. Yep. Wishing the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, house shoes. We are extremely grateful for your time. Word up. We respect you greatly. Absolutely. Uh, I appreciate it. Just could not be uh, could not be more grateful for sitting down with us. No doubt, man. Like I said, send me the wish list. I'll send you all the street corner catalog. If y'all need to need use any of the music for any fucking Instagram videos or background music, like do what you do, man. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We appreciate Absolutely. this. It's all good. Anything you want people to know about what's going on with you? I'm doing a good job raising my kids, and I hope you are too. Uh, streetcornerscm.com. That's, that's pretty much it right now. Getting the merch game up, Mixcloud, Twitch, Twitch TV slash Shoes House. I have a show every Monday called My Favorite Things that is eight hours long <laughs> from noon PST to 8 p.m. Uh, Wednesdays, I do a show, Magic around two o'clock usually if i can fit it in if the kids ain't over um mixcloud.com slash house shoes probably damn near 150 mixes of some of the finest things you'll ever hear in your life and yeah uncle shoes ipa you can order that online it's not going to be around for long it's not a big batch it's like maybe 175 cases craftbeerkings.com go on there and search for uncle shoes ipa that's about it I'm Rob. I'm E. I'm Shoes. This has been The Next Movement. Thanks for listening. Peace, y'all. Peace. Easy.